Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 John chapter 4. We're in this series called Brave Love. And so go to 1 John chapter 4. And let me just tell you up front, I am talking about marriage today. Um, And so I'm speaking to married people, but I want all the single people to know this. This is for you as well. Uh, because you might be married some, at some point, or you might know somebody who's married at some point. And uh, you, may, you may, like singleness, by the way, is a gift from God. Wow, okay. That's, it's, it's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. Singleness is a gift from God, and uh, it gives you a different perspective of ministry, uh, different grace on your life. And so singleness is a gift from God, but even, even some of you single people, like you may be having some married friends and they're going through some problems and you can say, you can sit them down and say, let me tell you how to fix this. And they'll be like, what do you know? You're not married. You're like, I, I was in church, so I know all the answers. Like, that can work. So uh, students here, listen closely to the message today because then you can sit your parents down and be like, you can show them what they're doing wrong. That should go really well. I think that'll go great. I think that'll be awesome. All right. Hopefully the students sense sarcasm there. All right. All uh, right. First John chapter four, uh, but we are talking about brave love. Uh, verse 16 through 19, kind of our, our, our series themed text here. First John chapter four, <clears throat> verses 16 through 19 says, and so, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence one day on the day one day of judgment in this world we are like Jesus I could stop and preach for quite a few minutes on that sentence in this world we we are like Jesus there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear there we go brave love because uh, fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love we love because he first loved us. In this series called Brave Love, last week, this week, and next week, today, I'm going to preach a sermon entitled, Put Some Respect on My Love. Put some respect on my love. Let's pray. Lord, you're good, and we do look to your word for, uh, for, for everything, for every area of our life. And I pray for, uh, I do pray for marriages right now across this room, across our campuses, across uh, anyone who's hearing this message right now. And I pray, God, that we would just uh, be willing to hear from you, be willing to change, maybe in some areas that have needed change for years. But today, God, let this be a day of transformation as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Now pray for me today because I got about three hours of content. All right? I'm going to try to shrink it down, but hopefully you brought a snack. Amen. Uh, brave love. And somebody might go, well, what, I mean, what is brave love? Uh, well, like brave love could be in this context. Like, let's say, you know, you're getting ready to go out to uh, dinner with your wife and your wife's trying on the new outfit and she comes back around the corner and she says, does this outfit make me look fat? <laughs> brave, 
Brave love. I mean, honesty is always the best policy, except in this situation, all right? Uh, ain't no, no need for bravery at that moment. Here's what you do. You don't even look at her. You just go, honey, you are beautiful. That's the answer. Does this outfit make me look whatever? You say, you are you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That's the answer. Amen. So um, what, is, what is brave love? Um, well, l- let me tell you, um, we were in this uh, season where we're, where we're talking about the home and marriage and family. Of course, last Sunday was the uh, marriage conference, marriage and parenting conference last Sunday night, which was fabulous. And Ted Cunningham was here last Sunday morning. And at that conference, um, we had a, a session where we took questions and, and uh, tried to provide some answers to those questions. Now, um, unfortunately, that session was, was somewhat brief, and there were so many questions that came in. And as I looked over those questions this week, and I'm, I've included, I've kind of sprinkled some of those into the message today, and I'll just kind of hit pause and, and throw a question in and answer it in this message, but... As I read those questions, church, I want you to know that my heart was a little bit heavy. Not, not heavy because, uh, because people in that conference were being honest. I was so glad that there was a space where they could be honest and ask honest questions. But I'll be, I'll be honest as well. My heart was heavy just seeing um, the, the weight that some of us are carrying in our marriage relationship and the, and the struggle that many of us are having and so um, I'm really praying that today would be a day that would also move us towards uh, healing and move us towards being happily married. Yes, that's for you, happily married. And uh, so one of the questions that came in was this in the conference. Can you explain in detail what does it mean when the Bible says, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her and wives respect your husband. So that was one of the questions that came in in the conference. And um, I'm, I'm gonna answer that question really for the next uh, few minutes. This is, this is kind of the, uh, the, the crux. Answering that question is really the, the, uh, the, really the message today. And so let's go to that passage of scripture that this person who asked that question is referencing. It's Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 through 33. Um, in the NIV, it's labeled instruction for Christian households. Um, It's probably the most lengthy teaching on marriage all in one place uh, uh, found anywhere else in Scripture. Um, More content, more verses given to strictly uh, the marriage relationship all in one place right here in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. This is what Paul writes, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's important that we start right there, verse 21, submit to one another. Mutual submission is part of the of the marital teaching here. Now let's go to verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Listen to this, husbands. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body 
but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Paul here now is quoting uh, Genesis chapter 2, which Jesus also quotes in Matthew chapter 19. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. And then verse 33, we're continuing right through in Ephesians 5. Verse 33 is probably our, probably our number one theme verse for today. However, each one of you must must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Put some respect on my love. Now, I can't uh, teach on marriage without bringing biblical clarity to the definition of marriage. Um, And one of the questions that came in in the conference uh, just seven days ago was this question, so I want to answer it. It said, do biblical principles on marriage apply to same-sex marriages? And the truth is, um, is no, it, it doesn't. Now, the Old Testament and the New Testament both align on, uh, as it describes, the creator's intent of marriage. We just read about what Paul said about marriage and that, uh, you know, how the husband should uh, respond and treat the wife and how the wife should re- respond and treat the husband. Um, Paul goes back and quotes Genesis chapter 2, um, the, the creation and, and, and the first marriage. Um, and so some then would know what the New Testament says, what the Old Testament says, and then some would double down and go, yeah, but Jesus, what did Jesus say? Jesus didn't condemn this and Jesus didn't condemn that. Well, Jesus did talk of, about marriage in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus quoted the same verses uh, that Paul quoted. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 19 as we look to answer this question uh, verse 19, uh, verse 3, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 19, it says, Some Pharisees came to him to test him, and they asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Uh, instead of just talking about divorce, Jesus affirms what marriage is. And he says to them, the first thing he says is important. He goes, Haven't you read? Well, what's he talking about? Well, he, he goes on to say, He's talking about, go all the way back to Genesis 2, all the way back to the beginning. He goes, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? Now notice here, not only does Jesus talk about sexuality, Jesus talks about gender here, that God created male and female. And I know there's a lot of confusion uh, around the topic of gender in our society, and, uh, and it is confusion, uh, but this confusion flies in the face of our creator, that they were created male and, and female. And so um, we, we have to understand what, what Jesus is saying here. No, the, cre- the creator has the, has the authority to dictate who we are and what we are, and so the creator made them male and female. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not angry at anybody who's in the midst of this confusion. I'm angry at the enemy who's bringing this confusion on a society. That's who I'm angry at. I'm, my heart, my heart breaks for those who are, who are in, in such a, 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 a struggled state of mind as to, as to who God made them to be. I mean that with all my heart. And so he talks about, a little bit about gender here, and he says, and for this reason, a man would leave his father and mother and be united 
to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they're no longer two but one. And then Jesus says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. For a long time, I thought that had to do with individual marriages, because that always gets said at a wedding, what God has joined together, let no man separate. I think that has to do with the, with the covenant of marriage. Like, universally, I think Jesus is saying, this is how God put this whole thing together. Man's gonna try to come in and get in and mess this up and say, it doesn't matter if you're married, it doesn't matter who you're married to, it doesn't matter, you can just live together. I think Jesus knew that was coming. He said, no, no, what God has joined together, let man not separate, let man not get in the way. And so in this passage of scripture, Jesus affirms the Bible's authority and therefore it's consistent definition of marriage. Um, Jesus also believes marriage is a complementary, complementary covenant relationship between male and female. And by pointing back to creation, Jesus offers a timeless commentary on God's intention for matrimony. Now, I will say this. Um, we at Faith Assembly are eager to continue that conversation with anybody who still has questions in that area. And so um, a lot of different lanes where that can happen, but you would feel free to call the church and, we, and any of our pastors, uh, there'd be plenty of our pastors who'd be, who'd be able uh, to sit down and, and bring any clarity on any of that if, if need be. But the thing is, you can't say too often uh, that marriage is a biblical covenant. Marriage is important. Marriage is a model of Christ in the church. I couldn't, couldn't probably say that enough. Um, I think uh, heightened, like no, no society has ever had a high enough view of marriage. Like you can look back in all of history and just no society has ever had a high enough view of it. And I think it's important for us to look at the word. What that does kind of gets our eyes out of the cellar of the sitcom marriages. You know, like we, we, we can't let TV tell us what marriage is because it'll mess you up. You got to look at the word of God and so no, this is what marriage is. This is what it was created for. So that's what we're going to do today is look at the word of God. And so let me, let me start off by talking to the wives, okay? And wives, as I said, I have a lot of content. And wives, you may want to start praying right now that I have time to get to the husbands. <laughs> I may take so long talking to you guys that we don't even ever get to the husbands. And if that's the case, it just meant that you needed it more than he did. God knew. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Apparently... <laughs> So some of the wives in the room were like, you do not know my husband. You may want to start, you may want to start with the men. We'll get to them. All right. Let's start with the wives, though. In this, in this thought of, of brave love, uh, a wife, a brave wife will submit and respect her husband as she does to the Lord. Uh, let, let me say that one more time. A, a brave wife will submit and respect her husband. If I stop there, we could kind of go, all right. But I added a parenthesis there from those uh, verses we read. As she does to the Lord. Submit, respect, as she does to the Lord. Why do I say that? Well, Paul said that in verse uh, 22. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which uh, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And look at verse 33 says, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, probably about four or five years ago, I happened to speak on a weekend, and, um, and we were in a, some sort of marriage and family 
series, and I, I spoke something where I included uh, some of these verses from Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I think on the Sunday afternoon, there was a Google review of, of our, our church, and I ended up finding out about it later that week. And it was not a very glowing, a very uh, positive review. Uh, I think it was like one star is probably if that's the lowest you can give. They gave us the lowest, tried to probably give us a half star. I may, they may even said, I wish I could give it no stars. I don't remember. But I do remember what the, what the review said. It said, uh, I visited this church today, and the guy got up there. That's what I was. I was the guy. The guy got up there. He started talking about how wives are supposed to submit and respect their husbands and that husbands are just supposed to love their wives, and then the wives are supposed to respect them and submit to them. And, uh, and then proceed to say why this person felt like that was the wrong thing to say. Now, here's the thing. I, I dislike a bad review as much as the next guy. But when I read what that review was criticizing, I was like, um, I'm sorry, but we're going we're gonna to preach the word of God around here. Like, I, you, you, you may, somebody may, somebody may not like it. But I, and I pray that people's heart would be tender to the word of God. But if the word of God is going to be the authority in our life, then it's going to be the authority in our life. And we're going to look to that and we're going we're gonna to base like what we do. It's amazing how these old-fashioned principles still work in 2023. You want to talk about brave love? This is probably brave love, me getting up and, and telling wives you still got to submit to your husband and, and wives you got to respect your husband. Like maybe that's brave love. I love you enough to tell you the truth because I've seen too many marriages that are based on the word of God and are happy because of it. So I'm going to tell you the truth. And, uh, and, and that's what we're going to do around here. It's what we're always going to do around here. We're always going to look to the word of God to see what, what we should do. And uh, one question came in at the conference and it said this, he does not treat me as, a, as his queen. What is some advice? And I thought about that and I thought about what Paul would say he doesn't treat me like a queen. What's some advice? I think Paul's advice would be treat him like a king. Oh, I just felt so many women turn on me right there. Like, <laughs> like some of you were like barely holding on. You're like, but if he says one more thing, I'm out. Like, I, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that there is so much, you have more power in your hand, more power to bring change when you apply uh, some of these biblical principles uh, in, in your life and, and understand, I, I, I probably need to qualify this, although uh, those of you that know my heart know I wouldn't even need to qualify this, but, but wives, I would not say that this, this call to submission, this call to respect um, is not a, a command for you to stay in an abusive uh, relationship, an abusive scenario. That's not what this is about. Matter of fact, we'll get... We'll get to what the husband looks like in this situation, but there is, there is something to be said about you investing in a king-queen relationship that you, would, that you would respect, that you would submit. And that word, that word submit, submission here, is not, a, a, it's not referring to like a slavery-type relationship or subjugation. That's not what this is about. This word submit in the Greek is really a military word. It really has more to do with rank. It's kind of like, in a, in, a, in a military situation, there might be a private and there might be a colonel, um, but both of those individuals are important. And it's not that one is necessarily automatically smarter than the other, or one is automatically, uh, you know, maybe even a better person than the other. It has to do with, with rank. As a matter of fact, this kind of, this kind of marital submission has less to do with the order of authority, and it has more to do with the operation of authority. 
that, that as authority kind of operates, uh, this is what it would look like that, 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 that the wife would submit to her husband. So wives, your greatest duty in marriage is to respect your husband for who he is as the head of the home. Um, you're responsible to stand by your husband, to follow his loving leadership, to encourage him, to fulfill God's calling, to uh, considerably interact with him and making wise decisions. Uh, it's, it's to treat him with respect as he struggles to be the man that God's calling him to be. This is the greatest duty in marriage. And um, I heard one husband say this. He said, I haven't spoken to my wife in 18 months. He said, because I don't like to interrupt her. <laughs> now, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the picture of respect and, and submission. If he never gets a word in. And uh, wise, let me give you some practical advice because I do want to, I want to make sure there's some practical advice as we kind of go out from here. And so wives, here's what I want you to do uh, this week. I want you to put your husband's picture as your home screen on your phone. The best picture you can find of him, maybe take it this afternoon, uh, but a picture of your husband on the home screen of your phone. I think this is good practical advice because then this week, if you start having a, a rough day and everything's going crazy and the kids are acting crazy and work's going crazy and it's just a really, really rough day, you pick up your phone and you look at that picture of your husband and you tell yourself, if I can handle him, I can handle anything that's going on today. It's just practical help. <laughs> um, now, as I said, my, my heart um, was a little heavy this week. Because as, as I read some of these, these questions, it's funny, like sometimes people wouldn't even put maybe which it was right in the question. Many times I could kind of tell. I sensed a lot of wives who have, are having a hard time respecting their husbands right now. Um, a lot of wives are having a hard time submitting to their husbands right now. Is some of it because they're not acting, loving them like Christ loved his church? Sure. But I'm seeing that in these questions and my heart's breaking a little bit. And I guess the thing I would, I would want to remind you wives is that you're gonna have a very, very, very difficult time uh, sensing respect for your husband while at the same time having resentment for your husband. Those two emotions will not live in the same heart. Resentment and respect. Resentment kind of has this cycle of growth. Can I talk for a second about the cycle of growth and resentment? It usually starts with anger, and anger opens the door to offense. Offense usually gives opportunity to unforgiveness, and that unforgiveness then leads to bitterness, and bitterness usually becomes resentment. And now we're at this place where I feel such resentment that I can't get to a place of respect for this man that I live with. How important is it that I get to that place of respect? Well, I think it's interesting whenever people do studies, uh, modern day uh, research that just qualifies and justifies these ancient scriptures. And I'll tell you of a couple of them right now. In one national study, they asked 400 men and they, they gave these 400 men a choice. They said, if you had to choose one of these two uncomfortable situations, which one would you choose? The first one was this. They said, would you want to be left alone and unloved in the world? Or if you had to choose that one, or if you had to choose to feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone. 
alone and unloved or adequate and disrespected? And 74% of men said, I'd rather be alone and unloved than be disrespected. How important is this respect component inside of a marriage? Emerson Eggeridge asked 7,000 people the question, when you're in conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved or do you feel disrespected? Ask 7,000 people, when you're in a conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved or do you feel disrespected? And as he asked, 83% of men said, I feel disrespected in a conflict with my, with my wife. While 70% of women said, I feel unloved in a conflict with my husband. It's these ancient teachings that are just so practical and so real. Now, that's how important respect is uh, for a wife in a marriage relationship. Now, one of the questions that came in 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 the conference was this. How can a man be a spiritual leader of the household? And while the answer uh, is is mostly to a man. A man asked that question, uh, how, and uh, I would give most of the answer to the man, but I will, I will say this, wives, there is part of the answer that would go towards you, and it would be this. Wives, create the space for him to lead. Create the vacuum for him to lead. And I get it that somebody, well, well he hasn't been. I know, we've we're, we're, we're got to start somewhere. We've got to go from somewhere. We're, we're kind of, we're kind of, as much as we can, marriages, we're going to kind of start fresh a little bit today. And so create the vacuum of leadership so that there is a space for your husband to fill. And then for the husbands that maybe we have ever asked that question of yourself, like how do I become the spiritual leader in my house? Here's what I would tell you, husbands. Number one, you don't have to be the most spiritual person in your house to be the spiritual leader in your house. Uh, I would tell you this, um, you don't have, uh, all you have to do is protect the spiritual climate of the home and initiate the spiritual activity in the home and model spiritual growth. Maybe you're not the most spiritual person, but you can protect uh, the spiritual climate of your, of your home, you can initiate spiritual activity in your home, and you can model spiritual growth in your home. While I'm on with the guys, let's talk to the guys. I would say this, and if you're taking notes, husbands, write this down. down. A brave husband will love his wife, and then we've got a parenthesis for you too. Not just love your wife, but love your wife like Christ, like Christ loved the church. That's a, that's a whole different level. It's that level of love that will give the wife the confidence to respect and to submit. Look at verse 25. Paul says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Look at 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. Paul, three or four times in like eight verses, says it over and over and over again. It's like he knew who he was talking to. He's like, these guys are going to take them a couple times to get it. So I'll say it over and over and over again. You've got to love your wife. Husbands, your greatest duty is to love your wife not in the way that's most natural to you. Your greatest duty is to love your wife not in the way that's most natural to her. The greatest duty is to love your wife like Christ loves the church. That's the top of this. That's the top duty that's going on here that you would look and as you read scripture and as you look at the way Jesus has dealt with us, that you would say, oh, that's, that's the way I want to deal. That's the number one duty uh, in marriage for husbands is to love your wife like Christ loves the church. I would say your secondary duty is now to love your wife in the way that she will feel loved. 
Love your wife in the way that she will feel it, that she can see it. You're responsible not only to love your wife, but you're responsible to make sure that she knows that she's loved. I heard one wife, she was feeling a little bit unloved, and she said to her, she noticed the neighbors, and so she said to her husband, she said, Look at our neighbor every time, every time he goes to work, every single morning when he goes to work, he kisses his wife goodbye. Why don't you ever do that? And the husband said, well, I don't even know her. How would you expect me to step over there? No, here's the thing. Men tend to assume that their wife just knows that you love them. Some of you men, you're like, I told him on our wedding, I told her on our wedding day. I love her and I told her I'd let her know if anything changed. No. You, it's your responsibility to love her in a way that she knows that she's loved. You're, you, you're to assign value to her. You're to encourage her. You're to nourish her. You're to protect her. You're to cherish her. You're to prioritize her. No, why? Like, like protect how she's feeling about something. Like sometimes if I'm gonna go do something that, and it's, it's an activity that's apart from my wife, sometimes I'll ask her and say, hey, I'm thinking about going and doing this. What do you think, what do you think about that? And I don't do that so that she can say, like, well, it's not because I have to be obedient to her. And like, if she says something, then I have to go, well, my mom said I can't go. You know, like, it's not that. That's not what's going on. No, sometimes I'm asking that to just get a feel. And if there's a, if there's a need going on right there, we say, well, I'd rather, you know, I was hoping we could do this or that. Um, then I can make that, well, this is an opportunity now that I can make her feel cherished and make her feel loved and I'm not going to lay some guilt trip on her for what I had to miss. No, that's kind of what it means to love and to cherish. Proverbs 18, 22. Guys, hear it. Hear this wisdom. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife, finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Your marriage is not an exception to that principle. Your, your attitude might be an exception to that principle, but your marriage isn't. One person asked in the conference, what do you do if your wife is not a Christian? Not say love her like Christ, love the church. You know what that means? In our relationship with Christ, you know what it's absolutely flooded with? Grace. We, we don't have a relationship. The church doesn't have a relationship with Jesus were it not for grace. And our marriages need to be filled with grace. I mean, grace every direction. Grace to say, look, I, I know that this happened and if you're willing to move forward and if you're willing to you know, make amends and willing to turn away from that. Look, let's, let's do this. In both directions, that grace needs to flow. Now, some of the questions that came in, and I'll just end with this. Um, some of them were very, very similar. And a lot of them had to do with kind of hopelessness and, 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 and tr trust, a lot, of, a lot of trust issues. Let me just read a handful of them. I kind of just put them all into one. Said, how can you fix what is already broken even if you've tried so hard but failed? How do you deal with betrayal that crosses your personal boundaries? How can I value my husband's words again after the meaning of his word has been lost with lies and broken promises? 
How do you begin the healing process in a relationship after you've hurt each other emotionally and with boundaries? And I'm reading these, and my heart's heavy, and I'm like, I, when, uh, let's do another conference today. Like, I, it's just my, my heart's heavy, and as I'm kind of praying for, 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 for marriages and for homes, I feel like God gave me a picture of what some of our marriages might look like right now. You know, like in a TV show or something like that, there might be a bad guy and a good guy, or maybe, maybe two bad guys. And in this scene, this dramatic scene, they'll be there with, with guns pointed at one another. There they are with guns loaded, guns pointed, and one is saying, drop your weapon. And then the other guy's saying, no, you drop your weapon. No, you drop, no, you drop your weapon. And there they are with, with gun pointed, both waiting for the other to drop their weapon before they drop theirs. No, you drop yours. No, you drop yours. A standoff. That's what some of our marriages look like. As we're sitting there with our, our hurtful words and we're going, you drop yours and I'll drop mine. No, you drop yours first. No, you drop yours first. A standoff. Or sometimes the standoff looks like this. Something valuable gets taken or misplaced and somebody finds the briefcase full of the jewels or whatever, right? And then the person has the briefcase full of jewels and so the bad guy kidnaps the, the person's son and says, you'll get your son back when I get my jewels back. Well, we'll meet at this place and no police and no FBI. And so they show up in the deserted parking lot and one guy has the briefcase and the other, the other bad guys, they're holding the sun and they're saying, throw the briefcase over and we'll let go of your son. No, no, you let go of my son and then I'll throw the briefcase over and it's a standoff. No, you give me what's valuable to me and then I'll give you what's valuable to you. And over here they're going, no, no, no. First, you give me what's valuable to me. Then I'll give you what's valuable to you. Church, hear this. It's never going to work. It's a rule that never changes. You can't get what you need from your partner by withholding from your partner what they need. It, it will never work. Instead of a standoff, there needs to be a standing on the Word of God. A standing on the instruction of a, of a godly marriage, a godly home. And I, I pray, I pray that you get hope again for that. Let me just give some goals to stand for, just some practical stuff. First of all, I would say this, focus more on resolving conflict than you do on winning arguments. Focus more on giving than receiving. Serving, like Jesus, he said, I came not to be served, I came to serve. Focus on serving rather than being served. High, high levels of marital satisfaction are not 50-50 marriages, they're 100-100 marriages, where each spouse is 100% of the time trying to serve the other. And number three, focus on honest and open communication. Not artificial harmony, not unspoken, unmet needs. I, I get it that some of us would go, I, I don't want to talk about it because then it'll start into the thing, whatever. That's better than resentment. It's better than feeling unloved. It's better than feeling disrespected is to have the conversations. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. 
God bless.